126 of Let's Go Racing with David Stark, Tyler Johnson with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, it is our official NASCAR playoff preview as we will break down what is ahead for the final 10 races of the season as we will determine a champion in the NASCAR Cup Series. It all begins this weekend in Darlington, Labor Day weekend. We will look ahead to this weekend's race and also look back at how we got here with a crazy race that was at Daytona with Chris Buescher claiming his third win in the last five races. Later on, we'll have our news and notes. A lot going on in the NASCAR silly season landscape that we'll get to. We'll also have our Ask David segment where you guys submit questions to us and we'll answer them coming up at the end of the show. Joining us as always, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only David Starr is in the house. David, always a pleasure, my friend. How are we feeling this week? Man, we're doing good, man. Good to see you guys. Uh, what a great weekend of racing, man. It, uh, Daytona did not disappoint, and uh, uh only thing would have made it better if I'd have been there racing, but, uh, but anyway, I wasn't. But, man, it was exciting two nights of racing there at Daytona. Incredible, man. But uh, excited to talk about the uh, the ones that didn't make it and the ones that did make it. You know what I mean? But it was a great weekend of racing. Uh, I've been busy working on NASCAR stuff and my racing school, and I'm sure you guys have been doing the same thing. Yeah, certainly so. And uh, we're joined by Dominic Alagon of the RacingExperts.com. joins us as well. Uh, Dom? No shortage of uh, things to get to this week as uh, we head into the playoffs. All the anticipation, the drama leading into this, and uh, right down to the very end, I I don't think it disappointed. No, not at all. You have so many drivers. There were 17 that could have won the race and gone and punched the ticket to the playoffs as a win and you're in kind of thing. That's going to create some natural excitement in a situation like that down to – I mean, we had a big crash and took out pretty much half the field. We have a spectacular flip that makes the national news outside of the NASCAR realm. And then you have a great finish, a two-lap dash in overtime to determine who wins the race. And, man, looking ahead to the playoffs, too, and Bubba Wallace being that driver we were talking about on the show last week, on the verge of making his first playoff appearance, getting that done to Martin Trex Jr. clinching the regular season championship and all the other 14 drivers in between that. So many cool storylines heading into the NASCAR 2023 playoffs. Surely it's not going to be a disappointing playoff run, but I got to imagine, Tyler, there's going to probably be some upsets and some things that we can expect and a little bit of everything. That's what makes great TV and great to watch and great to be even better in person to go see. NASCAR is a great reality show uh, <laughs> every week. And you're going to see that throughout this postseason. We will talk about that coming up in uh, just a bit. Before we get to that, though, guys, uh, David, I got to ask you just real quick. uh, You were doing some local TV this week, Fox 4 in Dallas. Uh, You took uh, some of their morning crew for a little test ride out at uh, Texas Motor Speedway. Tell me about that experience and uh, getting the TV time and all. Man, you know, it was was just amazing. Uh, You know, partnering up with the Texas Motor Speedway is just – uh, incredible and, and the things that we get to do and how we get to promote our, 
our racing school. The Speedway, uh, through my wife, Kim, and, and working with Dave Hart at the Texas Motor Speedway, we invited some media out. And uh, Fox 4 uh, uh, morning guy, Brendan Todd, uh, he does the Good Morning Show for Fox and uh, Good Day Show, whatever they call it. I think it's Good Day, you know, uh, Dallas uh, on Fox. But uh, Brandon Todd came out, and I guess he's a big NASCAR fan, and that was kind of a bucket list thing for him to drive a, a NASCAR race car. Man, he uh, he did a phenomenal job, went through all the training, showed him the cars, and took him out on the racetrack, and gave him some training. And, man, he just had such a great time. Uh, he just loved every second of it. And, uh, man, it's amazing the show they put together. Uh, man, uh, Tyler, I don't even know how long it ran, but it was at least a, a, maybe a five-minute segment uh, about Texas Motor Speedway, our NASCAR driving school team, Texas High Performance Driving School, based there at the Texas Motor Speedway, and a little bit to promote the, the race we got coming up at Texas Motor Speedway, the playoff race. And, man, they did a phenomenal job, and Brendan Todd was just awesome. And just, you know, that that type of advertising uh, on a, on a uh, you know, on a morning show was just priceless, you know. So uh, uh, even though we had a good time, it was awesome. Everybody had a good time. Uh, hopefully we, uh, we pick up some new customers from it, but it was incredible. And, man, again, uh, the best part about the racing school stuff is seeing uh, – kind of bringing dreams to reality for people, you know, being out there, be able to put them in a real NASCAR race car and let them go as fast as they can go, 150 miles an hour, and then seeing the enthusiasm and excitement and just all the emotions because he said, man, I always want to be a race car driver, which I thought was interesting, you know, and now he's a big-time Fox TV, uh, you know, commentator. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, Dominic, uh, I would describe it this way, as far as Team Texas goes, from my experience when I did this a couple of weeks ago myself. Um, I don't think I would ever pay to go to an amusement park ever again because I can get way more thrill out of going to Team Texas and hopping in a real NASCAR race car and doing that than I ever would riding a roller coaster. I, I love roller coasters <laughs> and all that, but hopping in a NASCAR race car and get behind the wheel, that's the ultimate roller coaster. <laughs> You'll never catch me behind a roller coaster because you're not in control. But what I like about having the <laughs> opportunity to do something like the Team Texas Driving School someday is you are in control. And you you get to really feel that. I'm sure, Tyler, you can relate. You can probably feel every bump in the road. And you're holding that steering wheel and you have the track outside your windshield. I can only imagine. I've dreamed about it. I will take you up on it someday, David. I look forward to getting behind the wheel there at Team Texas. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you will do it one day. But, uh, man, it, it's so much fun for you know, people, wives buy it for their husbands for anniversary presents, Christmas presents, birthday presents, and husbands buy it for their wives. It's just a neat thing. You know, uh, the best part about the whole industry is being a race car driver. I just, that's everything to me. But having customers and companies and people come and drive in our race cars and seeing the joy that it brings 99.9% uh, .9 of everyone that comes through the school. Uh, the experience they have is just amazing. And, uh, man, just so thankful that the Texas Motor Speedway brought out the media and the coverage we got was incredible. Just uh, just unbelievable. That's great. I could have guessed that Dominic was too scared for roller coasters. Uh, not surprised. <laughs> well, I want to be in control, man. I, I'm not in control. You can control everything. You got to control what you can control. I mean, that is... And I can control a race car more than a roller coaster. <laughs> 
<laughs> soft, soft. Okay. All right. I like being controlled. I can admit that. <laughs> He's a control freak. All right. Uh, Dominic, uh, soft control freak. A little pansy there, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, let's book, look back at this weekend. Uh, Chris Buescher gets it done. Third win in the last five races. The thing that's so incredible to me, David, with this stretch is that he won at three completely different style of racetracks uh, from Richmond uh, to Michigan to Daytona. None of those three tracks are similar to each other at all. And he found a way to get the job done. Car was fast. He ran up front. Chris Buescher was awesome at all three of those tracks. And to get those three wins, not only to be on fire like he is with three wins the last five races, but to win of those tracks, you have to consider Chris Bush are a threat to win the championship now, right? No doubt about it. Momentum, momentum, momentum. But, uh, but you know, you you got to understand it was a one-two finish. His, his boss and teammate, Brad Keselowski, you could almost take the race Saturday night and credit Brad, his his boss and his teammate, really is the reason why Chris won because his boss pushed him to the win. You know what I mean? It was amazing to see them work together. And and it was interesting how it played out. Um, but but to answer your question, Tyler, to, I believe Chris Boucher, you know, you hear Brad Keselowski talk about it. He grabbed Chris Boucher years ago when he had the opportunity because he saw a lot of talent. Chris is such a great, great race car driver. And like you said, he's won on three different types of racetrack. He's won, Tyler, and I asked the question, three races in the last how many, five or six, how many races has five. it been? Five. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's amazing. That's really unheard of, you know, and, uh, and the timing of it, man, the timing, the timing of it, uh, Tyler, I'd have to agree with you, but he, he's got to be one that's going to give, um, I would say, uh, the 24 car, uh, uh, Byron, a run for his money. You know, if anybody can give the Hendricks car, Byron, uh, a run for his money, it's going to be Chris Boucher, you know. And then uh, th that organization, uh, Roush, Benway, Kozlowski, uh, you can't even count out Brad. I know he's in the chase and he didn't even want to race, but he's close. He's right there. You know what I mean? So I'd look at both of those teams, obviously Chris being to me, the, the one that stands out the most, but you can't count Brad out either, man. He's, he's been strong. The cars have a lot of speed, but amazing what that organization has done uh, in a short period of time at the right time. So man, Chris Boucher and that, or they got a lot of momentum coming into this, uh, into the championship run here. These last what ten races, yeah. amazing. Let me ask this, Tom. Um, a lot of criticism actually for Brad Keselowski the couple the last couple days that he was too passive there at the end that he didn't try to challenge Chris Boucher for the win at the end of that race and that he was just content with getting Boucher that win and finishing second. Is that criticism fair? I mean, when I go back and watch the footage, Busher was so fast, I don't know how Brad would have been able to get around him, in, in all honesty. I, I get why. I understand maybe maybe Brad is a little, you could argue, content of some sorts of what, what Chris has done, and maybe he could 
go a little harder himself, but I, I just don't know where the opening would have been for him to get around that 17 car at the end of the race on Saturday. No, you're not wrong. And, and Brad even said in his post-race comments that he wanted to make sure they were clear in three and four before he was going to try to make a run at the checkered flag. But moot point, the 17 car won. And like you said, he looked faster anyway, coming off turn four and going for that checkered flag. So even if Brad wanted to make a move, I don't know how that would have looked. But he did say they wanted to make sure they were clear of turn four and, and just not throw away the race and have a big crash like how they did at the final lap of stage two. I mean, that took 16 cars out. So you got to be thinking... You're Brad Keselowski. You have a checkered flag with your organization out the windshield. Push Chris till you know you're going to get that win and then maybe try something. But you got to imagine they didn't want to throw away a one two potential finish and at least clear turn four. I, I don't think the criticism, I mean, I get it. I get why it's there. But when you actually take a step further and take a look at to why the, the, the methodicalness of Brad Kozlowski is very methodical as a businessman, as a race car driver. And that was a very calculated move. In fact, I Tyler, I will take that one step up and I will praise him for that move. Not only did you secure a one-two move for your organization, but you were trying to time it the way it worked. And Brad Kozlowski, a seven-time super speeder racer winner, I'm not going to question his decision-making on that. He clearly thought something was there. The timing just did not work out. Right. I mean... I look at it this way, David. Brad was already locked in the playoff. He made the correct call for his position. If Brad was needing to get a win to get in, then maybe it would have made sense to be more aggressive. But to play it the way he did, his teammate, his car right in front of him, I don't know what more he could have done in that situation. That 17 was just faster in that moment. Yeah, I mean, he he did the right thing from from all aspects of it. When you finish first and second, your sponsors got to be over the top excited. The exposure they got, uh, the momentum the team has. Chris's third win. Yeah, uh, you know, I just don't know if there was a car strong enough. You know, if Brad needed to try to win the race, I don't know. Because there was there was a gap between Brad Keselowski's car and, and the car that was behind him. And you look at the last two laps of that race, Harvick was on the bottom. I really thought Harvick had something for him and maybe even Chase Elliott. And Chase Elliott had his teammate behind him, Kyle Larson. But let me tell you, if you go back and remember, uh, those – uh, the Brad Keselowski cars, Chris Buescher and Brad's cars, they were phenomenal. They they had a lot of speed. There was They looked like they were handling well. But if you looked at Harvick, Harvick couldn't even keep up. He didn't have help from even Chase Elliott because Chase couldn't bump draft him because Chase, Ch Chase might have been having some handling problems and they just couldn't get – they couldn't get hooked up and go. And, you know, and, and like Chase said, I saw, I saw his interview. He just said, man, I just couldn't I, – I, I had all I had. Uh, he had good speed, but his car might not have handled that well. But he definitely – you know, him and Harvick kind of faded. You know what I mean? If you remember going into turn three, you're thinking, man, uh, uh, you're thinking Chase Elliott's going to bump draft Kevin and Kevin's going to have an opportunity. But, man, as they came off turn four, man, Brad, uh, Chris and Brad, they – they had them covered at that point. You know what I mean? I think they're just cars were handling well. They could keep their foot wide open on the gas pedal. 
they drove good and everybody else was struggling somewhat, you know what I mean? If you remember right, but you know, Chase, I remember seeing Chase, I was like, man, he's not helping Harvick. He couldn't, you know? And, and then I looked at Kyle, Kyle Larson behind his teammate, Chase Elliott. He wasn't any help either. So it was interesting to see that those guys, obviously cars wouldn't driving like they needed to, or they would all have been bump drafting each other and having a shot. You know what I mean? I just, uh, and it goes back to tell you that man, uh, Chris Boucher and, and Brad Kozlowski, man, not only did they do a phenomenal job driving the cars, racing the cars, but man, their, their organization getting those cars that where they got lots of speed and they're driving good, I mean, they were class of the field right there at the end. It was amazing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The big highlight of the night, we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the crash that Ryan Priest had there towards the end of the race where he just barrel-rolled and flipped numerous times, one of the scariest wrecks I've ever seen. And he was taken to a local hospital. Looks like that he's okay. But David – that was one of those that I think everybody just stopped and, you know, lost their breath for a second. I mean, that, that is something that as much as this sport has gotten safer and all the directions that we've gone with this, I mean, the it, reality check that that stuff can still happen here. I, I'm so fortunate that Ryan Priest is okay. It was, it looked like it was a, something out of a movie or something like a CGI thing or something there. Yeah, I was just golly, you just can't you just can't as it's happening in front of you, you just can't believe what you're seeing, you know. And then the for the for the network to slow it down, to capture it on TV and to slow the 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 wreck down and kind of slow show the audience, all the viewers, the car flipping in slow motion and then and then playing it live is just like, man, you know, you just you just, you know, you're, you just, you stop in your tracks, you know, you just, man, you just hope the driver's fine and hope he's okay to get injured. But man, man, that was violent, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, it was just so violent of a wreck, you know, we were just so thankful that you could see him get Ryan Priest out of the, out of the car, you know, you could see him moving around just to see him moving around was, was just a, 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 a blessing, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, but, you know, I think I would just say my I take my hat off to NASCAR and the industry for just all the safety improvements uh, that we've had come along the last decade. Uh, uh, and then, you know, this new next gen car, obviously, uh, we saw Kurt Busch announce his retirement Saturday, uh, you know, and that was from an injure, injury he had earlier this year. Uh, last year, yeah. When was it? Last year? Yeah, yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, with this new next-gen car, but NASCAR has gone to work and, and trying to make the car safer and to, trying to make it absorb that energy more. And, uh, man, it just uh, – it's amazing what we all witnessed uh, and to see Ryan – uh, to learn that he, they took him to the hospital. They did release him. He's on his way back home to North Carolina, you know, and he's going to be okay to race again. You know what I mean? But man, uh, been a long time since we've seen a car, uh, flip that violently, that going that fast, you know, I was really surprised to see his car come around 
and we've seen this, you know, people that have been that have, you know, the viewers that have been watching NASCAR for a long time. We, we know what happens when cars uh, slide sideways and they go backwards, you know, the air gets underneath them and they start flipping them. I was surprised to see this new next gen car how how violently it flipped and and uh and you know and what we witnessed but i i think that we will see i'm pretty sure we're going to see nascar go to work to to prevent this from happening again you know what i mean uh and and but man unbelievable from from my my point of view it was unbelievable it was so good to see Ryan get out of the car and I think NASCAR will go to work and uh, and see what they can do to try to keep these cars from flying up in the air that like that that violently you know that's not good to see one final note from Daytona then we'll move on look ahead to the playoff and uh, this weekend's race at Darlington Dominic uh, let me ask you Chase Elliott Alex Bowman obviously the two biggest names that did not make the playoff uh, were not in position to win that race um were never really up there i know chase got up to third or fourth but never was really a serious threat to win this race um obviously both of them missed races alex had the penalty chase still makes it in the owner's uh playoff uh based on that nine car still racing every race but have to wonder is this season a failure for Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman? I mean, you're in Hendrick equipment. You're in the best cars. I mean, all you had to do was win one race and you would have been in the playoff. Is this a failure for both those teams when you look at just how well of a season that William Byron and Kyle Larson are having too? Absolutely. I mean, you have to really think back. It's been years since you've had multiple Hendrick cars not qualify for the playoffs. I, I believe this is when Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Casey Kane were still with the organization. It's a long time that this has not happened. We just don't see this at Hendrick Motorsports. And I've said on the show before, you look at the stats that Chase has, and I'll even throw Alex in there, all these top fives and top ten finishes. That's a great season for most drivers. But that's unacceptable if you're in Hendrick Motorsports equipment. And, and in fact, Tyler, I was on ESPN Radio Albuquerque talking about this on their motorsports show last week with Chase Elliott and Sportsmanship. Sportsmanship cost Chase Elliott a spot in the playoffs. That incident, the Coke 600, where he's out, like he he crashes out of that race. He doesn't race at Gateway. That's at least 80 points given up right there, just between the one point you get at the Coke 600 and no points the following week. If we're going points alone, he could have pointed his way into the playoffs despite missing five races. Sportsmanship killed the momentum and killed Chase Elliott's chance at making the playoffs. This is the first time for both of those guys, Tyler, that Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman, since being a part of Hendrick Motorsports on a full-time basis in the Cup Series, have missed out on the playoffs. Well, then, now, David, some tough decisions, I imagine, potential changes, because that's not going to fly well with Mr. Hendrick, with Mr. H. Uh, there of two of his teams missing the playoffs. I mean, Blake Harris, new crew chief there, the 48 car, not – doing so great, didn't have a great first year, if we're going to be real. And his old team at front row is doing better without him uh, there with Michael McDowell making the playoff. A lot of frustration with Alan Gustafson, the crew chief for, for Chase Elliott, some of the decisions he made in particular at Watkins Glen. And then you can even argue with Alex Bowman in particular. Alex Bowman, uh, you know, really since that Las Vegas race of last year that he won has not been the same driver they was 
a couple of years ago when he won four races here. Uh, pressure's on, and I imagine that uh, Mr. H is uh, not very pleased right now and might be looking at some personnel changes or whatever he needs to do because this this doesn't fly for this organization. Yeah, Tyler, y'all are on. You, you're 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 right. Uh, you know, when you think you think of Hendrick Motorsports, you you know every team in that organization is a championship caliper team. You know, uh, they have all the engineering, all the resources. They have everything that you need to win races and win championships. And uh, but it's interesting that that organization. You have one car that's just done a phenomenal job this year, and you have two of the others that have struggled and then Kyle Larson's had a, a decent good year, you know, but, uh, but man, it's, it's interesting how, how an organization like Hendrick organization, how successful they've been for so long. And, and you get to 2023 and how you can have really two teams within the organization have really showcased the wins and a breakout year for William Byron and then the other two, it's been such a challenge, you know. You just seem like an organization, uh, you know, uh, you, you know the, the probably the powerhouse of all the teams in our sport. Uh, you know, it's interesting to watch several teams in that organization struggle. Chase Elliott, like you said, William Byron, uh, not William Byron, uh, um, Alex Bowman. And, and it's kind of interesting. It's like, man, because they got very, very, very smart people they got great leadership, great management. And, you know, it's like how, you know, it's hard to comprehend how two teams can be so, have so much speed and win races and run good consistently. And the other two have struggled. You know what I mean? It's that you don't really see that. It's something so new uh, because we're just not used to seeing that out of that organization. And that being said, you know, I asked the question to you guys, there's really, you know, you think back to 2022 and you look at who made the chase after Daytona this past weekend, you know, there's probably six or seven drivers. I mean, you know, not only Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott, and, you know, you, you look at it, what is it, uh, Austin Dillon, and, uh, man, there's there's two or three more that I'm missing. It's interesting. I think you got some new guys that wasn't in the chase last year. And then, uh, and then you got guys that were in the chase. Like, you know, it's kind of interesting. So, so David, uh, I have that staff for you. Here you go. Oh, this is what okay. I'm referring to, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, missed the playoff in 22, but made the playoff in 23 includes Ricky Stenhouse, Chris Busher, Martin Truex, Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell, and Brad Keselowski. That's six new playoff drivers this year. Also, six drivers that missed the playoff that made it last year. Austin Centric, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, Austin Dillon, and Chase Briscoe, uh, the six that missed uh, on that front there. So uh, pretty crazy that uh, there was a big shakeup, a lot of parity. That's what the sport wanted, and uh, they got it certainly this year with uh, the – uh, way the playoff ended up shaking out on uh, that front. So uh, we shall see. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, Dom, uh, one more point, and then we can move on and look ahead to the playoff here. I think the thing that probably is the the frustrating thing, if 
if you're Chase Elliott, you're for Alex Bowman, there's a number of drivers that are sitting at home, and I would even add crew chiefs to this equation, that would say, if I just got a shot, I would – we could get to victory lane in that Hendrick equipment. But it's easier said than done. I mean, look at Corey LaJoy this year. He struggled in his one shot in the nine car there at Gateway. Um, but I, I think the – the bar should be simply set is this. If you can win a race and make the playoff, then you can drive for any team in the NASCAR Cup Series. Any. You win one race, make the playoff, you secure a ride, you can have a whole career if you average one win in a playoff appearance every year. And the 48, the nine car, couldn't do that at Hendrick? They're embarrassed right now. Oh, big time. That's a huge embarrassment. Like I said, their seasons are good for most drivers, but that's not Hendrick A-list caliber equipment and expectations that Rick Hendrick has for that organization. We're talking Chase Elliott, who won the championship in 2020. Three straight championship, four appearances the last three years. That's not happening. Alex Bowman's only finished top 10 in points once in that car. Now, don't get me wrong, he's made the playoffs every season there at Hendrick Motorsports. That is still the biggest shock of this whole thing. The 9 and the 48 could not secure playoff appearances, but teams of lower average finishes and teams of questionably caliber compared to Hendrick Motorsports can't make the playoffs. Yeah, there are some bigger questions and more questions than answers, Tyler. So without further ado, let's take a look at the playoff standings entering Darlington. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. is the regular season champion, earning 15 playoff points. But with the five wins that William Byron has, they are tied at the top of the leaderboard entering the playoff at 2,036 points with the points reset. Then at 2,025 points, 11 back, you have Denny Hamlin. At 2,021 points, all the way up to fourth now, is Chris Buescher, just uh, about 15 points back of William Byron. Kyle Busch at a 2019, Kyle Larson 2017. Christopher Bell at 2014, Ross Chastain at 2011 in an eighth place. In ninth place, Brad Kay at 2010 points. Tenth place, Tyler Reddick at 2009 points. Eleventh, tied for 11th, Logano and Blaney at 2008 points. Then the next four. These four would not advance to the round of 12 if it were to end today. Uh, on the outside looking in, Michael McDowell, 2007 points, one point back from the cutoff. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse, 2005 points, three points back from the cutoff. Kevin Harvick, 2004 points and 15th, three points back from the cutoff. And then Bubba Wallace, with that 12th place finish at Daytona, he secured the final playoff spot. And uh, at 2,000 points, he's eight points back from the playoff. With all that being said, now that we know the playoff picture and where things stand, who is the favorite to win the championship, and why is it William Byron, David? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, man, he's got the most wins. Uh, I mean, he just had a phenomenal breakout year, you know. And, uh, you know, I, he's been the favorite to win a championship for a long time. Um, you know, I mean, just for – I don't know how long he's been the favorite, but he's definitely still the favorite. Uh, but man, you know, you you look at you just look at Chris Boucher and that organization. 
you know, can't count out Mark Truex. I mean, it's going to be an exciting run to the to the championship, no doubt about it. But you know, it only takes you know, you just never know how it's all going to work out. But uh, but I still believe that William Byron is the favorite to win a championship. And I believe if, if we didn't mention Chris Boucher, that's uh, also a favorite. We'd be kidding ourselves. But it's going to be it's going to be exciting and fun uh, to watch the how this thing plays out in front of us. And uh, but I mean, I don't know, man. That's uh, you know, just because you're the favorite, don't mean you you got it in the bag. You know, what I mean, you got to go race ten more races and see how it all plays out. We have six former champions uh, among these 16 drivers in the playoff. Dominic, obviously you have to win one to get your first. How much of an advantage is having championship pedigree, having experience in the postseason here? Well, I got to imagine somebody like Martin Truex Jr. is going to be a lot more comfortable in some of these situations than Bubba Wallace, who will be facing these for the first time. Oh, and it doesn't hurt that you're in the top five as far as seeding compared to Bubba Wallace, who's already on the outside looking and going to Darlington as your 16th seed. But you got to imagine you've won a championship. You've been in these situations before, and especially in this style of racing where it's stage racing, advancing to the next rounds, especially these champions that have done it. Over the last few years, even like a Kevin Harvick, Tyler, who hasn't won since last year and he's pushing what 39 races without a race victory. I still feel like if it's going to come down between somebody like him or Michael McDowell or Bubba Wallace or Ricky Stenhouse, who are all on that outside looking in, Kevin Harvick's got the experience. You got to think experience matters here to some degree. You've been in these situations before. You have a better idea as opposed to somebody who hasn't, who's maybe been bounced on that first round exit. Yeah, it's a very good point uh, that Dominic brings up. These uh, first three races of the playoff of where we're headed to uh, begins with the Southern 500 at Darlington this week. Then we go to Kansas next week for the Hollywood Casino 400. And then the Bristol night race the uh, week following. Uh, as I look at this playoff picture, guys, I mean, of those, those four, uh, I think Dominic's 100% right. Kevin Harvick, I think, has got the best chance to advance out, to get out of that bottom four and go to that next round. I mean, McDowell, none of these tracks really are, are to his favor. Same with Stenhouse. And in Bubba Wallace, um, I, I I don't think that Bubba's going to be out running, uh, you know, Logano or Reddick or Keselowski. The, the guy I'm watching for to most likely to fall out just because it's been a while since we've seen him run at a high level, is is Ryan Blaney. That would be what I would pick is that Harvick advances and Blaney misses out on advancing to the next round. That, that could happen, especially with that experience. <laughs> and, man, I don't know, David. I know, right, we, we joke that you pick Kevin Harvick a lot on this show. I mean, good reason. He's a good driver. But I think that would be a solid pick, and especially in a situation like that. You have that experience. Kevin Harvick's won a title before. Ryan Blaney, we've never seen him advance to the championship or even race as a championship contender in Phoenix. Now, that could change this year. But I don't know, David. I think I think Tyler's onto something there with Kevin Harvick. I think he is. You know, it's Kevin's, you know, we're coming down to the end of his career. What do we got, guys? Ten races left? Uh, uh, you know, out of, the, out of the Stuart Haas uh, stables, Kevin's had the most speed consistently throughout the whole season. 
uh, man, the last two or three months, he's had phenomenal speed. He's had really crazy circumstances has kept him out of victory lane. Uh, um, so, yeah, I agree with you because I think, you know, Kevin's going to be racing his heart out, uh, you know, uh, because this is it. And, uh, and I just think, uh, you know, they, they've shown a lot of speed here last couple of months. And, uh, and I just think it'd be a great feel good story to see him in his career, you know, with a win, another win, and maybe a shot at winning the championship, whether he gets that done or not, I don't know, but I, I think he would be at peace with himself if he came down to the, to be in the final, uh, what is it? Three or four, uh, heading into the final race of the season this year. So, uh, I don't know if that's the case, but I, I, I do agree with y'all that Kevin Harvick will advance when it, when it, when the three races are up. Uh, Dominic, uh, as far as dark horses go to win the championship, I got my eye on Ross Chastain. I know he's only got one win on the season right now, but we've seen track houses had the best pit crews in the sport this year. Uh, I mean, you got SVG to victory lane. They got some resources there. They've had some speed all year long. Those early summer months, they were real good. But the reason why he'd be my dark horse is that history tells us Ross Chastain is willing to do whatever it takes. Love him or hate him, he'll move you out of the way. He'll run on the wall, whatever it takes. And that's what sometimes winning a championship comes down to is having balls and being gutsy. And Ross Chastain has shown history tells he's not afraid. Oh, no, he wasn't afraid to wall ride there at Martinsville and, and advance to that championship for it. That could be a solid dark horse pick. And to add on to that too, Tyler, if his pit crew can be a little more consistent because we've seen loose wheel issues like we did at Nashville and Michigan, and we've seen him inconsistent in playoff runs before. But Tyler Reddick and the number 45 team of 23-11, they can piece together some strong races. And now that they have both cars in the playoffs – Tyler Reddick could make a deep run. He would be my dark horse pick of the championship before, kind of like how we saw Christopher Bell last season. That 45 team, it's all going to depend if the whole team can collaborate and make sure they put full races together. But if they can do that, that 45 is dangerous. All right, the moment of truth. Uh, let's all give our official championship four and champion pick. Dominic, we'll start with you. All right, putting me on the spot right away. Well, Okay, if we're going championship four, I'm going to go the obvious easy ones. You've got Martin Truex, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, and I think Kyle Larson advanced to the championship four. Now, I will stay consistent with what I told you guys on the show ahead of Daytona in February. I said that the champion this year was going to play Bobby Allison and finally win his first championship this late in his career. Denny Hamlin is the 2023 champion. How about that? Denny, uh, get the monkey off his back. It'd be a long time coming. Uh, my championship four, I'm going William Byron, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Busch. Ooh. I think Kyle Busch finds a way to get in there. I expect him to be a contender and compete to win races here in this playoff. Chris Buescher, I think the luck's eventually going to run out on him. Kyle Larson, I haven't seen him dominate like – we've seen in the past like he's won a couple races but he's not dominating i don't think he'll win the championship so that's my final four byron truex hamlin bush and i'm going with william byron i've been on the william byron train ever since i was at that race in vegas 
and saw what he was able to do. I know that, I mean, we're, we're being real with y'all. William Byron's not the most liked driver in the garage. I mean, among fans, like for whatever reason, I don't get why William Byron is so hated of some sorts, you know, I, I, but William Byron, uh, I think is, is going to get the job done, bring home his first career title. The 24 gets back to uh, another championship. David, give us your final four and your champion. Well, I I, I kind of agree with you. Guy. I would say William Byron, uh, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Busch. Those will be the final four uh, going into uh, the last championship race there at Phoenix. And, um, you know, it's um, – you know, it's, it's – uh, <laughs> It's hard to, to, to pick, you know what I mean? It, it's hard to pick one, but I kind of agree with Dominic. I think uh, after all these years and so many failed attempts at trying to get the championship, that Denny Hamlin finally gets him a championship, you know, it's that monkey off his back. But, uh, but man, it, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to sit here and choose one. Well, I want to say William Byron, but, uh, but anyway, I just think, Denny's been there, done it, been so close. And I think finally, you know, finally after all these years, he finally gets it done. Yeah. And if Denny wins the Dom, one more point real quick, then we're going to move on. Um, I would think it would be probably the best story, the best outcome of sorts is Denny finally win. I think it would be an emotional scene. Like if if Denny finally pulled this off, that, that would be the best story, I think, of – of the potential headlines of, of a champion here. You want to take a guy's word at face value. You want to believe what they have to say. And I think Denny Hamlin said it a few years back that he has come to terms with that he may never be a cup series champion and that he's okay with it. Now we don't know what he says in his private life. Maybe that mirrors it. Maybe it doesn't, but you got to imagine you win that championship. He's going to take all that back. He's going to say, wow, this is really awesome to be an NASCAR cup series champion. He'd be, if he doesn't win the champion, just to throw a little history out there, him and Junior Johnson would be the only drivers to reach 50 or more wins and never win a title. I don't think Danny Hamlin wants that kind of statistic associated with him. You have a Daytona 500 champion, a Southern 500 champion, a Cook 600 champion, and now finally a Cup Series champion 10 weeks away. I think it finally happens. And you got to imagine that's going to be a very, very, maybe not popular, but I think he will win over a lot of fans with that championship victory if he can do it. Yeah. Looking ahead this weekend uh, at Darlington, the Lady in Black, the Southern 500. David, uh, one of the crown jewels of the NASCAR Cup Series season is uh, when we make this Labor Day visit to Darlington. Uh, this race is special. I mean, a mile and a half, but it races like a short track. It's going to be an exciting feature on Sunday. Man, it is, man, the lady in black. And, man, all the races are so exciting there, you know. Not only do you – you're trying to outrace the competition, but you're trying to trying to race the racetrack as well. You know, you might beat the competition, but you may not beat the racetrack, you know. The, the lady in black, Darlington, the track too tough to tame. It's such – it's one of my favorites, but it's such a challenge uh, to race there because, you know – Sometimes you get to racing somebody, next thing you know, you got a darling stripe on the right side of the car, you know what I mean? And that's not good, but, man, that racetrack produces some great racing, and uh, there's so many elements involved in, in trying to have a, a great race. Uh, 
So it'll be exciting. And, uh, but man, uh, Darlington is just one of the crown jewels and, uh, man, so much history there over the years, the oldest speedway on the circuit that we race on today in NASCAR. And, uh, man, it, it, the, the lady in black never disappoints. That's for sure. We're going to see an awesome race. And you talk about championship contenders, Dom. William Byron won there earlier this year. Joey Logano won there last year. So did Denny Hamlin. Martin Truex won a couple years ago. Kevin Harvick's won multiple times. Uh, you know, the names that we talk about, even Brad not too long ago won at, at Darlington. It, it I know that Eric Jones won this race last year as a non-playoff driver, but I would be surprised if it's not a playoff driver in victory lane. You got to imagine a playoff driver is going to be the one going to victory lane on Sunday night. Yeah, the Eric Jones win was pretty cool and special, but especially, and we'll get into the odds in a little bit here, but you have so many odds on favorites. You have six winners in the past six races and five out of the six have been playoff drivers at have won at Darlington. So I, I don't know, Tyler, I think it's very hard to, to pick against the top 16. They're there for a reason. And this isn't a super speedway or a short track where you could have a lot of more variables. This is not necessarily intermediate track either, but it's more in line with that. And you're going to see more of your front runners running up front. I'm i uh, I'm rolling William Byron again, uh, picking him win the championship, picking him win the race. I'm all in on team 24. William Byron uh, wins at Darlington for the second time this year. David, who you got this week? I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. Last year in this race, he was leading the race. Uh, uh, they had a fire on the right front of the car. There was having, you know, there was somebody else that had a fire too uh, after he had just pitted or something. Knocked him out of the race, but, man, he was so fast. I believe he was leading the race when he pitted, and the fire took him out of contention. But I think Kevin Harvick gets it done at Darlington. How about you, Dom? Got to go with past Southern 500 winner in Martin Truex Jr. getting it done at Darlington, getting that advancement automatically to the round of 12. All right, there you have it. So that is our preview for Darlington this week, the first place, first race of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs, the Southern 500. News and notes uh, coming up next. Uh, ask David in just a little while as well. But first, we turn things over to Dominic to catch us up to speed what's happening in the world of NASCAR. Dominic, take it away. One of the biggest announcements over the weekend at Daytona National Speedway in the thick and ahead of the NASCAR cutoff race was the announcement of NASCAR past champion Kurt Busch surrounding his retirement. Kurt Busch made it official, citing doctor's orders that he will not return to the race car or behind the wheel of a NASCAR Cup vehicle ever again. Kurt Busch has been sidelined since July of 2022 after a qualifying crash left him with concussion symptoms that never went away, Tyler. They lingered, and Busch has been out of the car since 2022, over a year. Kurt Busch is going to retire with the 2004 championship. 34 Cup Series points awarding wins, including a Daytona 500. Never got the Southern 500, but did get a Coca-Cola 600. And arguably, I would say, Tyler, one of these drivers, how many can you say that bounced to different teams that made the team a little bit better when from when they started to when they left? They they found him and they he made him a little bit better. And I mean Roush Family Racing, Team Penske, Phoenix Racing. Furniture Row Racing, Stuart Haas Racing, and in his last role at 2311 Racing, and Chip Ganassi Racing, too. These teams were a little bit better when he left. He was the ultimate journeyman. I mean, you think of, like, journeyman quarterbacks uh, in football, you know, like the 
the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world, Jeff George, uh, <laughs> Jeff George, you know, I mean, he was the journeyman, but still won a championship. I mean, like, you know, Nick Foles uh, would be an example of that. You know, uh, he, I, I, I look back, the career for Kurt Busch was fantastic. As you mentioned, made everyone better. He gave no Fs either. I mean, he did things his way. He was aggressive as hell. Um, I mean, Kurt just didn't give a shit, you know? I mean, he was just who he was. And I know that it rubbed some people the wrong way, but I respected it. Uh, I loved what I saw from Kurt Busch. I enjoyed his, I enjoyed his career. Um, you know, David, I, I'm sad to see that his career ends, but he's got to do what's best for his health, for, for him and his family. Uh, I'm glad that he's listening to doctor's orders and that he's not going to step in a race car it sucks for us as the consumer, but he, he's doing the right thing here, and he'll be a Hall of Famer here, first ballot Hall of Famer here in a couple of years. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's a, a future Hall of Famer, and, uh, you know, uh, his health is the most important thing. And, and the orders of the doctor, obviously, there's uh, his concussion, his recovery. There's probably things that are going on that, that the general public we all don't know about. And, uh you know, and I remember back when Dell Jr. was injured and had his concussion and his issues, uh, he was fortunate that he got with some great doctors and they was able to, uh, you know, to get Dell back to normal. And I remember he raced that final year just to kind of a farewell tour. But I think you could tell that, you know, the doctors that said, hey, if you have another bad crash and another concussion, you know, we're not going to be able to – to, um, you know, I think he knew that if something went wrong, that they wouldn't be able to get him back to normal. And I think, you know, now with Kirk Bush having the concussion symptoms and, you know, whatever issues he's having and, and having orders that, hey, man, you cannot get back in a race car because, you know, obviously there's there's some types of issues that that uh, that won't allow him to do that. Uh, it, it's, you know, he has nothing to be ashamed of. He is one of the all-time best, winging a NASCAR Cup Series championship, 34 races. Hall of Famer will definitely be inducted into Hall of Fame over time. Uh, he was just a hell of a competitor uh, uh, on top of his game for many, many years. And it's just always sad uh, to see a great, ambassador great superstar of the sport uh when they have to to have to throw in the towel and call it quits you know what i mean i would like to send kurt uh but guys you know at pocono when he had that crash in qualifying i mean kurt bush was still winning races he was very strong and he had uh, you know i would think many more years of, of racing uh, not just racing on the cup side, but winning races, you know what I mean? And see that being cut somewhat short saddens me, you know what I mean? Because you want every athlete uh, to be able to kind of, uh, kind of retire how they want to retire, not, not because of a medical condition, you know what I mean? So, uh, but man, what a, he has nothing to be ashamed of uh, accomplished so much more than so many others and just a phenomenal year, you know, phenomenal career. Yeah. And and Dom, one more thing on, on Kurt Busch too. I think, and I don't think he would say this himself right now, but later on, 
is an important part of his legacy is being the older brother to Kyle and them being the best brother duo this sport has ever seen. Better than the Labonis, uh, better than many others. I mean, they were the uh, cream of the crop. And one of the best moments of his career, I think, was when he straight up beat Kyle head-to-head at Kentucky in one of his final wins of his career. That was a great moment for Kurt. So, uh, to me, I, I think that's a huge deal. I know that he's, you know, I've talked to him, you've talked to him. He's super excited for his nephew, Brexton, of what he's going to do someday in the Cup Series. But the the Bush name uh, is going to be, is already big for this sport. The, the best brother duo of all time, like I said. But it's going to live on for many years. Uh, and uh, I, I'm I'm just excited for it. I mean, that's it, the, the legacy that they've, that they carry on this sport. It all started with Kurt. Absolutely. And, and to think he's the last him and well, yeah, he is the last driver. They got to race against Dale Earnhardt. And you, you think back on, on this man's career and, and Tyler, I, I think back to like, when you think of Kurt Busch memories and, and, and David, I'm sure you remember this too, the 2012 Sonoma race, Kurt Busch in that 51 car. I mean, I know they got a Hendrick motorsports engine, but he qualifies top 10 muscles his way to the lead. He's challenging Clint Boyer and Tony Stewart for the win, had a track bar, sway bar issue in the closing lap, still finished third in that race. I knew right there, wow, Kurt Busch really, really is a wheelman. I mean, you have to be really good to win a Cup Series championship and win races, but to do that in that inferior of equipment at the time, very, very impressive. So it's going to be moments like that, I think, that stand out to me, Tyler. And, and we, we see Kurt Busch. And we're going to be able to look back on all these different highlights when they show his Hall of Fame. That's not one or two teams. They're going to be showing five, six, seven teams. He made all these teams better. And, and you're right. He is the ultimate journeyman. He made all these organizations just that much better. And he was that much better of a driver because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt had a very good career. And uh, we're not done with Kurt by any means. He's obviously in the booth from time to time and, you know, serves as a driving coach for, 2311 and an ambassador for monster energy. So he'll still be around uh, in some capacity uh, as far as that goes. Uh, what else we got, Dom? Well, Joe Gibbs, hopefully maybe giving some sort of update. Who knows? He was on Sirius XM on Tuesday, giving a little more insight on the Denny Hamlin situation. Joe Gibbs said, hopefully there's going to be something to announce here real quick. Now, he didn't really give a timeline, but it is in regards to Denny Hamlin. And he was, regardless of making the comments, that he would love for Denny to finish and retire his career at Joe Gibbs Racing as a driver there. Now, so many moving parts and pieces like we talked about on this last week, Tyler. But, it, of course, Joe Gibbs has been noticing stuff like this and do other things, but... I feel like there's a special relationship here because of Denny Hamlin and, and the relation that J.D. gives and, and J.D. bringing him into the fold in, in the Cup Series in 2005 and 2006. He's been with one car and pretty much one primary sponsor his entire time in Cup. And it sounds like maybe they want this to finish out the way it's supposed to. Now, will it be a storybook ending? Who knows? But with the comments that Gibbs made on Tuesday, Tyler, it sounds like they're really trying to keep Denny in the stable. Yeah, I mean, they can say that, but, you know, I'll believe it when when I see it. Now, we did hear <laughs> on top of that, too, uh, some pushback of Stuart Haas selling their two charters, uh, which obviously if Denny's going to drive for 2311, they need another charter. And 
at the moment anyway, at least publicly, there's not any charters for sale right now. So uh, with that said, David, a lot of, of events to unfold here uh, with Denny Hamlin as far as his future goes, uh, where things stand right now. Uh, I, I'm, I'll be honest, David, I, I'm as confused as ever. I, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to end up here. Well, you know what? Um, you know, you, you one thing about it, uh, no matter if, if he stays with Joe Gibbs Racing, and there's that storybook ending on a, on a phenomenal career. Once Denny calls it a career, uh, driving for just an amazing organization, Joe Gibbs Racing, and the personal relationship he has with the Gibbs family and and JD and Corey Gibbs. Um, you know, you you love that uh, that family atmosphere. It's family, uh, but man, there's so much. You know, it's not not that easy anymore because you got a partner. I mean, you know, one the one the world's uh, biggest sports figure in the world, Michael Jordan. Um, you know, they got plenty of funding, plenty of great sponsors. You know, all the funding, technology engineering they have everything they need to be a championship caliber team you know so you know it's it's interesting because you know whether denny stays with joe gibbs racing or he chooses to pursue driver owner of his own team uh you know it's i mean you know the both both scenarios are pretty awesome uh, that that any race car driver would like to be in Denny's Hammond's shoes because whichever one works out, I mean it's it, it's it's not a you know whatever it turns out, it's going to turn out for a positive thing for Denny. You know what I mean? Um, you know it's tough. You know what I mean? You 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 know you're out there racing. I mean Saturday night. I mean, uh, Denny Hamlin is already in the, in the chase with, uh, with Joe Gibbs racing with FedEx and the 11 car and, you know, and, and, you know, his teammate, um, Ty Gibbs, you know, uh, you know, obviously the organization like to see Ty Gibbs part of that, you know, playoff, uh, pitcher, uh, the one of the top 16 drivers that's going to advance. And, uh, you know, and, and I guess they had asked Denny earlier in the day or, or days before Saturday, you know, is his was his allegiance, or you know, who would he help Ty Gibbs, or would he help his own car being Bubba Wallace? And uh, I think I heard that he would he would definitely uh, choose his own car with Bubba Wallace driving it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a unique uh, uh, I don't even know what you call it unique situation. You know, but it's been such a storybook career you know crazy loving Denny Hamlin or hate him he's one of the all-time best he's fast he's good he's controversial uh he cares for the sport you know and uh you know but but the truth of the matter is JD Gibbs brought him into the cup racing with Joe Gibbs racing and uh look what it's came look what it's how it's turned out and in the perfect world in a in a feel-good world and 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 being the right thing to be be being loyal to the people that brought you the dance you know you would think he would want to end up play out the rest of his career with joe gibbs racing but man on the other hand god look at who his partner is and look at what they're building at 2311 so man it's such a unique situation i don't think anybody any other driver 
in the history of the sports ever had decisions to make, um, you know, and again, the decision that Denny will finally make, uh, you know, either one of them is, is phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? But just unique, yeah. you know, what's you guys thoughts, you know, what's y'all's thoughts? Dominic, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, man, it's a great point you bring up. The only one I could really think of when you said that, that nobody in history that maybe would even maybe somewhat come close would be Dale Earnhardt with DEI as DEI was rising through the ranks in the nineties and bringing Steve Park, Daryl Waltrip and Dale Jr. Going full-time. And then of course, Waltrip coming in in 2001, maybe a situation like that, but what a, what a cool problem to have where it doesn't work out at Joe Gibbs racing. Well, you know what? I'm going to go race for my old, my own team. Not, not every driver has that luxury or is in a spot like that. So, so I think Denny has a lot more leverage than, than probably a lot of people realize. Yeah, and then the Ford dynamic, too. I mean, I can't imagine that he can race for a Toyota team and own a Ford team. <laughs> I mean, that's not going to fly. It so just complicates the situation of kind of a conflict of interest, man. It's just so, so interesting, you know. But keep like, going, Tyler. Right. Like, either he's still with Joe Gibbs and racing Toyotas and – 2311 stays a Toyota team or he's going to 2311 and racing Fords and they become a Ford team. I, I don't, I would find it very odd uh, a world where 2311's a Toyota team and he's racing for them or he's racing for Joe Gibbs and 2311's a Ford team. Like I think there's only two paths this can go. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Know, but it's interesting. You know, and it's it's just big business. It's not. It's it's complicated. It's it's all financially big business driven. You know what I mean? But uh, but you know, it, it would be a unique situation for twenty three eleven to be a different manufacturer than Toyota, and then have Denny Hamlin stay with Joe Gibbs Racing and drive a Toyota. You know, I think. I think, you know, it's interesting if we could be a fly on the wall with these other manufacturers that you mentioned that are fighting for 2311 to jump over to to their make, uh, whether it be, you know, ship, uh, whether it be Chevrolet, Toyota, whoever, you know what I mean? Um, one or the other. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, definitely to have Denny Hamlin, 2311 and oh, by the way, the world's biggest athlete ever you know probably the the biggest athlete in the world wouldn't you say that michael jordan uh man i think every manufacturer is probably fighting and trying to offer everything that a manufacturer can possibly offer financially uh design engineering everything you get with that to get them to jump over to them you know what i mean so there's a lot at stake and it's just not a can you imagine the complex of those decisions? I mean, man, that's that's some – I can't imagine. And then my next question, you guys, has those decisions already been made? We just don't know. You know what I mean? I mean, they probably – those decisions – there's probably decisions made that once the public and when we all find out about them, they were – you know, when we do find out about them and they release them to the public, you know, they're probably if, – if, you know, somebody has some insights, those decisions were probably made – and july august you know what right. i'm saying <laughs> and the domino effect too i mean here's john hunter nemechek thinking that he's gonna go race for legacy 
And if Denny Hamlin's gone, he's not racing for legacy. He's racing for Joe Gibbs. And then there's Zane Smith, who's, you know, the top prospect in the Ford camp. Is he going to Stuart Haas? Is he going to 2311? Is Ra- RFK going to have a third car? Where's Zane Smith going? I mean, there's a whole, a whole lot to still play out uh, in this whole situation, not to mention Eric Almarola and his retirement and – uh, we heard Ryan Priest say that he has a multi-year deal. What does that mean? I mean, still a lot to, to figure out as far as this goes. Uh, Dom, tell me about the odds uh, coming up this weekend here at Darlington. So all drivers opening odds for the Southern 500. Okay, let's break down some of these names. You'd mentioned Eric Jones earlier. Last year's winner, non-playoff driver. He is sitting at 28 to 1, 28 to 1 odds. Your your highest non-playoff driver. If you had to guess, Tyler, who do you think that might be? Highest odds, non-playoff driver, probably Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott at 18 to 1 opening odds. Now, who do you think your odds on favorite is? Probably William Byron. Shockingly, Martin Truex Jr. at 5 really? to 1. Now, I'll let you guys guess on this one. Who do you think is the lowest of the playoff drivers, and what are their odds? Kevin Harvick. No, the lowest? Uh, probably Michael McDowell or Ricky Stenhouse and <laughs> played 10,000 to one or whatever. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at 100 to one, opening odds wow. for the Southern 500. Michael McDowell not too far behind that, I believe, at 50 to one. But, yeah, a lot of a lot of – Odds makers thinking that your front runners are going to be the ones running up front. I think Chase Elliott, though, Tyler, 17 or 18 to 1, they're a little undervalued for the number nine team. He's run well at Darlington. He's never won. Granted, they're not in the playoff fight as a driver, but there's still a lot of stake on that owner's championship. And, yeah. you know, you know, Chase, you know, he's, you know, I mean, just any normal competitive person would be somewhat bittered. Uh, that they didn't make it, and 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 man, they want to go out the next race and win. You know what I mean? Win as many. They want to win the next ten. You know what I mean? Just to prove a point. You know. So I think Chase has a lot to prove, and uh, I think he'll be he'll be tough to beat. I would agree with that. I I would yeah. think so. It would kind of remind me of when Brad Keselowski missed the playoffs after winning the championship, and they went out and dominated at Charlotte in that fall race yeah. in 2013. It can be done. Mm-hmm. Those are your odds, Tyler. There you go. There's a look at the uh, odds for this upcoming week. Uh, up next, our Ask David segment, we ask you to submit questions to us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, as well as uh, by email. You can find us on Facebook at Star Podcast, as well as Twitter at Star Podcast by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, our first question in the inbox this week uh, this one comes from uh, Terry, and uh, Terry wants to know, David, with the football season nearing, who are the teams that you're going to be rooting for? Well, Terry, that's a great question, but it's an easy question, easy answer. Uh, being from Houston, Texas, I'm a, uh, I'm a big Houston Texan fan, and then living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, you know, obviously the Dallas Cowboys, so I'm a I'm a Texan fan first, and uh, behind the Texans would be the Dallas Cowboys. So those are my two teams, and who's my third team would be the New Orleans Saints. You know what I mean? So uh, just because they're neighbors of uh, their neighbors, uh, but those are my three teams that I cheer for. And Terry, as you know, 
uh, you know, I hadn't been, hadn't been a good run for a long time, but it's still, you know, once you're a fan of your teams, you stick with them through the, through thick and thin, you know what I mean? But, uh, hopefully, uh, the Texans with this new coach and the Cowboys, you know, eventually one of these Texas teams will uh, make it to the Super Bowl and win again. David, uh, what about college teams? Uh, anyone you root for in college, you you you, uh, you hook them horns there? Well, I mean, just because you know, I didn't I didn't go to college, and uh, but my but a lot of my families, my my sister, uh, a lot of people in my family are Longhorns, and uh, so I I do cheer for the Texas Longhorns, but. You know, there's a there's a there's a team here in Fort Worth, TCU, that made it to the to the to the national championship game last year, and and uh, you become to love uh, the the passion and the, and the desire and what they've done there at TCU. So, man, I, I like to follow uh, you know people, a lot of people uh, around Texas. You know, they're they're pretty uh, connected to one university. I cheer for all of them, and 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 when I tell people that, it's like, man, you can't be a an Aggie fan and cheer for the Longhorns. You know what I mean? I just want all our Texas universities to do well, and to whoever's doing the best, I line up behind them and cheer for them. You know, but in other people's minds, that's a no no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, about being a Houston Texans fan. I got to ask you, David. I'm very curious. I, I've I've never asked you this before. Uh, were you heartbroken when the Oilers uh, left Houston and, and went to Tennessee? Man, I I was I was a, a big Bum Phillips fan, you know the coach Bum Phillips, and uh, I was heartbroken. You know, I, I just you know you just couldn't understand how the Houston Oilers could just up and and go to Nashville, you know, and uh, I, I I I I really just cheered for. I cheered for them to lose every time they played. I was just heartbroken, and uh, yeah, that as a you know as a younger younger guy, you just you couldn't comprehend that. You know, we were the love you blue years and days uh, as a young boy. Just you know that was that was just amazing to to watch Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini and just Billy White Shoes Johnson and just you know all the greats. Uh, that played for the Houston Oilers. I mean, growing up as a kid, and then and then one day the Oilers just up and moving out of Houston was just you couldn't. It's hard to describe what that meant. A lot of emotions there for a young kid, and I never really uh, I've cheered against the 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 Tennessee Titans. You know what I mean? But I but over the years I've come to to love them again and and somewhat of a Titans fan. <laughs> That's funny. Uh- Dominic, uh, we know that you're a uh, a diehard Green Bay Packer fan, and but you've always been an Aaron Rodgers hater. Are you finally glad to have him gone? <laughs> I don't know if hater is the right word, but I, I won't miss him. That's that's kind of cool. I mean, he's falling in Brett Favre's shoes and going to the Jets, and I'm sure he's going to make the Jets a better team. But it'll be cool to see what Jordan Love does as a as a Packer at the helm now as the starting quarterback. Now, Tyler, I've talked with other Packers fans. We're all thinking a eight and nine or nine and eight season is going to be a great year this year for the Packers. Cause it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers esque and double digit wins and making the playoffs. But if it can at least be a respectable eight or nine win season, that's great. Now you want the goal to be the Super Bowl every year, of course, but you also have to be realistic too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a rough year for the Packers. What about you, Tyler Jones? What, who, 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 <laughs> you know, I, I, I am a, 
a diehard Chiefs fan. I've been very fortunate that Patrick Mahomes, our, our Texas boy, uh, has, you know, just taken the league by storm and brought two Super Bowls to the Kansas City Chiefs and going to bring a third one this year. Uh, and, you know, he's easy to root for. Uh, his family, not so much, but, you know, he's a great guy. Um, so definitely, you know, would love to see the Chiefs bring home another Super Bowl title. College-wise, you know, I went to University of Kansas and – Finally, it's it's good to have a respectable football program uh, for the first time in forever. Uh, you know, they'll be fun to watch this year. I grew up an Oklahoma Sooners fan, and uh, I'll be going to a couple Sooner games. I'll, I'll be at the Oklahoma game actually this weekend in Norman. Uh, but you better believe when, when Red River comes to Dallas here uh, in October, I'll be there. I'll be wearing my my crimson, and and I'll, I'll have the horns down, you know, uh, Boomer Sooner. You'll be – Beat Texas, you know, uh, as as the OU fans would say, talk fexes, if you know what I mean. Uh, you gotta watch out for Melissa; she's gonna be all over you for that. Oh, I heard it from Melissa last year when Texas beat OU forty nine nothing. I never heard the end of that. Uh, Jeff wants to know, David. We've heard of drivers saying white lies to the media about their cars. Etc. to throw their competitors offline a game of chess. Have you ever done anything like that? Say that again. Uh, Jeff says, David, we've heard of drivers saying white lies to the media about their cars to throw their competitors offline like a game of chess. Have you ever done anything like that? Yeah, uh, back years ago in truck racing, you know, we, we kind of had a little bit of a, uh, when I was a GM driver, me, Jack Sprague, uh, Dennis Setzer, Matt Crafton, uh, I believe Hornaday, you know, we had a, a plan. Um, yeah, I, to answer your question, yes. I won't elaborate too much on it, but yes. Uh, I've been involved in something like that. <laughs> Some tactics you use, you know what I mean, to maybe throw the the other competition, the other manufacturers off a little bit. That's interesting. Uh, you know, it, it's always fascinating here, Dom. We we hear that you know the 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 drivers, the teams, they don't listen to the media, they block out the noise, and all this. When the truth of the matter is, they're listening to everything that's said, and they're when <laughs> they can to get their message across. Definitely, I, I think it was Joey Logano, maybe. And, and if it wasn't Joey, I apologize. I'm sure maybe he's listening to this podcast. But there was a driver that said in their championship-winning speech that they they play a little bit of cat and mouse games with with the competition because they want to throw them off. They don't want somebody to know like, hey, if our car's great, they'll say, oh, we're running crappy in practice. They don't, they don't want their competitors to, to know exactly what that next move is or how exactly their car is. And that makes sense here in that, that you do play a little bit of chess back and forth with your competitors. You don't want them to have you figured out 100%, I'd imagine, David. Matt, man, you're, you're pretty spot on there, uh, Dominic. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Why would you tell your competitors that everything is great and, you know, you you want to uh, you know you you don't want to you don't want to tell everything's great. You want to complain about this and that, and and, and you know and, and lobby for a little bit more here, uh, and not say that the make you're driving for is perfect. Uh, you don't want your competition to know that. You want to 
you want to uh, maybe challenge the industry, the sport, the rules. Uh, and, 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 you know, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of cat and mouse uh, approach. You know what I mean? Does, you know, it goes back, you know, you uh, not only about to be a great race car driver, but you got to, you know, and then what you look at what uh, Ryan Priest said after he got out of the hospital or I was in the hospital, you got to be pretty damn tough to be a race car driver, but you got to be tough physically and mentally, you know what I mean? Because you can't let things uh, bother you, you know what I mean? So, uh, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you hear about it in other sports, uh, you know, you, you just got to, you know, you got to mentally be tough, you know, can't let things bother you and focus on what you can control and what you and your team can do and not sometimes, man, some of this talk and stuff in the media and this and that can really, uh, really uh, confuse your competition at times, you know? So, yeah. And I would imagine too, if you're wanting the real of how a car really is, Tyler and David, you can tell me if this is true or not. But like when you hear about those mid race runs, like if there's a pit reporter on TV or MRN or piano, they're in the reporting back when a driver's saying over the radio, that's probably my guess where you're more likely going to hear how a car really is or how a driver really feels behind the wheel, at least in that moment. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because with the technology that all the teams have and all the engineering going on back at the race shop, the communications from your engineering, uh, you know, you have engineering analyzing the race live as it's happening and reporting back to the crew chief is sitting on the box, you know, so, you know, you can't, you can't really embellish the truth about everything. You know what I mean? Because you're, you know, your, your competitor, your competition is, is man, they're listening to everything, you know, and, and look, all these big powerhouse cup teams, they probably have a person, a engineer or a person that works on the engineering staff that's monitoring all the other competition I mean, it's it's so competitive, and, and Tyler mentioned that earlier. I think he said six or the seven drivers that were in the chase last year aren't in the chase this year. That just goes to show you how extremely competitive this cup racing is, you know. So uh, you can't really uh, believe everything that you're hearing uh, on the telecast when the drivers and crew chiefs are communicating back and forth because – Everybody else is listening to them too. So I'm sure that that, you know, uh way before they get to a racetrack, there's codes. Uh when somebody is saying something about their car, how bad it is, you know, really it really means, hey, it's not too bad. It's it's really not bad. You know what I mean? Why would you tell your company, you know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, you know, there's more of that going on than than we know, to be honest with you. Dominic, uh Another kind of like inside baseball tidbit. Uh, one thing that I've I can say from my experience is uh, with people within the industry, you they they're, they're friendly, you know, for for the most part and everything, and they they'll they'll tell you pretty much anything you want to know off the record. I mean, like they want that open line of communication. You want to know something, you can find that out. But on the record and putting their name on it. Now all of a sudden nobody wants to talk. 
<laughs> that sounds like pretty much like any industry, right? You want to have those good relationships with people. And and a lot of people in NASCAR are open books. And, and I think a lot of times too, I hear it too at racetracks where fans are asking pit crew guys questions or, or people that are working under the vehicles or even the drivers. And the drivers are pretty honest to a point, but the minute you mention that you're the media or you're going to go on the record, they want nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, I had a cut. Well, I, I will me- say what it was about or who it was. I'll just keep it very vague like this. I had a conversation with, with somebody that I, I think we all know in Daytona and it was very juicy. He gave me some great information. And then about 15 minutes in, he's like, this is all off the record, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, between good friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything, but I was like, Oh, now he mentions that. Like, I mean, but that's that's how it goes. It's a respect thing that goes both ways. And a lot of a lot of these things, you know, during the heat of the battle of the championship and just how competitive our sport is, what happens is years later, maybe the following year or two years later, uh, you go to a new team, uh, you got some changeover, you got a crew chief that leaves, a new tree crew chief comes in bring some 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 people with him and next thing you know you're working with a group of guys that you raced against very hard very competitive you know years prior and as you become a team and like a family you get close to them and during those down times when you're out at dinners before races and stuff and they say hey remember when this and this you know you you learn stuff you learn what they were doing how they were doing uh, you know, and it's very interesting, but eventually it comes out uh, over time just because of the change over people moving to other teams and and you learn and, and you respect when you when you find out the truth and what's going on, you respect the team and, and, and the personnel that was the management and the crew chief and all the people involved because they did a phenomenal job in the way they went about doing it. Uh, was just unbelievably smart, you know what I mean? Because you're you're trying to outsmart your competition. You're trying to get an edge. Um, You know, we are competing. We are racing, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, everything as as a – now when I'm watching these cup races on TV and and watching it, uh, you know, and and you're hearing all this – all the communication going on, I kind of snicker a little bit because I know about half of it's really not really what's happening. You know what I mean? Because you can't tell your competition what's going on. Yeah. It's a very good point. Uh, We got to run, but uh, before we do around the room, uh, David, uh, how are you uh, enjoying your uh, Labor Day weekend here? Man, you know, I I haven't even sat down and talked, um, you know, I was supposed to be racing in Darlington, found out today that I won't be racing in Darlington. Um, but I, uh, you know, tomorrow I got uh, a big sponsor meeting. I got a couple of meetings tomorrow, business, NASCAR business related. Um, uh, I'm just getting ready for an event next week at Texas Motor Speedway with Team Texas. A lot's going on, you know, trying to uh, make sure that uh, uh, that we run four or five more races for the season's over with and that we set ourselves up uh, next year to to race full-time or, or you know, as much as we can. Uh, so uh, busy week, uh, busy week ahead, and uh, I haven't even, um, you know, 
now that I'm not going to Darlington to race, I know that uh, we will be racing this weekend. I'll be racing with my kids, my boys, uh, whether it be DJ or Vance. Uh, there's so, uh, you know, they'll probably be excited when they learn because they were just saying, Hey dad, we're going to race anyway, whether you're racing in Darlington or not. So, uh, They'll be, they'll be excited to know that I'll be there and uh, be a lot of racing going on for us this weekend. It won't be in Darlington, but with my kids and uh, just a busy weekend, man. Business as usual. What about you guys, man? What do you guys got going on? The uh, Summer Jones continues this weekend uh, off to uh, Norman, Oklahoma. I'll be uh, watching uh, some uh, Sooner football uh, as they open up their season and then uh, – Family's going to come down for a couple of days after that. Uh, it really is the summer of Jones. Not just me, mom and dad. Spending the weekend with mom and dad, uh, showing them around Dallas after the game. And uh, I think we're going to take a visit to the stockyards on a Monday for Labor Day. So they're going to they're gonna love that. But Dominic, I got a question for you. I thought yeah. the summer of Jones tour was canceled a while back. I did too. It just keeps reviving itself, I guess. <laughs> I heard the I heard the ratings were so low that it got canceled. It was canceled. It was canceled. I think that's what I canceled. heard, man. I mean, wow. Just keep fighting back. <laughs> uh, strong finish to the uh, summer of Jones ahead. Uh, this uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Dominic, how about you? I'll be spending it with some family. We're going to actually be making a little bit of an out-of-town trip on Monday to Clovis, New Mexico to see some family out there. So right there on the state line, I'll be closer to you guys, about halfway to Dallas-Fort Worth. But it'll be nice to have some nice family time, relax for a few days, and then we'll get back at it here on the show on Tuesday. Looking Absolutely. For, uh, guys, the playoffs finally here. We had an extensive breakdown on today's show share this with some friends by the way folks if you enjoyed what we brought you today uh share the show let's get this show out to as many people as we can uh send them the link uh whether it be to the youtube version apple spotify google Podcasts. uh that's a big favor a free way to help us and contribute to this show is uh by sharing it and getting this out to the masses as many people as we can check us out each and every week wherever you're listening to podcasts youtube as well subscribe on those podcast platforms on youtube like the video as well uh every like goes a long way helps out the algorithm to get this show out to as many people as we possibly can follow us on social media at star podcast on facebook and twitter email davidstarpodcast at gmail.com we'll put the checkered flag out on this edition of let's go racing For david star i'm tyler jones sing so long it's been another edition of let's go racing we'll see you next week